2: And we're back with Steve Ebert. And joining us is John Gidding, an architect, designer, and the host of HGTV series Curb Appeal. And he's going to tell you how to make your house really have beautiful curb appeal. I don't want to say good morning because it's almost afternoon. But good morning, afternoon, John. How are you?
3: (laughs) I'm doing well, Dottie. How about you?
2: I'm good. I'm really good, and I had been in Florida for a week or two, and I'm back in New York, and I feel like I'm, again, in a different country, but it's so good to see New York busy and people all walking around and back to being alive uh, I again. know.
3: It's like the, the world we used to get used to back in the day, and now it's back for us, to enjoy again.
2: Yes, I know. I remember sitting, I standing on Fifth Avenue during COVID, and there was no cars, mm-hmm. and I felt like I was in the <laughs> twilight zone, but... That's really not yeah. important. I I have been in real estate my whole life, and I and I uh, always uh, talk to people about curb appeal. So curious, though, how did you get involved? You know, you went to school for architecture. You have yeah. a degree, and but it how was did
3: you pursue route? Yeah. So, okay, my first job out of architecture school was actually for a landscape architect uh, named Michael Van Balkeberg out of New York. Uh, He did the Brooklyn Bridge Park, Union Square, a lot of big parks. And he was the best boss I ever had, and he made me fall in love with landscape architecture. I ended up working for an architect after that, and I realized that architecture wasn't for me. Um, I'd had such a great experience with landscapes that I went back into landscape architecture and have loved it ever since.
2: So oh, you earned so you earned a master's degree in architecture, but you and from Harvard's graduate school, but you ended up not liking it.
3: Yes, I went eight years four wow. years undergrad, four years grad studying architecture, and then decided no, not for me um i I did some architecture along the way, I did a lot of interiors, but landscape is fun it's dynamic it's beautiful it's surround you with people that love nature and uh i found that those are the best people
2: now you're one of the top known as one of the top designers in the u.s um and you're from Istanbul, right correct yeah yeah, so how,
3: Turkey.
2: yeah so how did you wind up you know how did you end up in the u.s so how that'll i'd love to hear about that
3: sure my dad's american so i have american citizenship through him And I always knew that I'd come to the States for college uh, just because it's the best school to hear, and I just made it happen. Um, It was bound to happen, so I just, you know, I was sort of determined to make it here. And then once I got there, um, I stayed there for 30 years.
2: Wow. Wow. Now, I know you're very, I know that this is radio, so people can't see you, but they can't see you on TV, but I... I uh, know you're very good looking, and uh, I heard, I mean, I know you're a nice looking guy, and I don't say that often to people, Um, and I heard that you did some modeling at one time. Is that true?
3: Yeah, actually, I would say that's probably what started the whole thing. Really? When I was in grad school, I I did a bit of modeling to you know, make ends meet, as you do, and uh, one of the castings that I was sent to ended up being a TV show uh, for... ABC Family at the time. Um, it was called Knock First, and that was the first TV show I ever did. And then I started working for Landscape Architecture. But once you do a little bit of TV, a strange thing happens. It's sort of out there, and people keep pinging you. Um, and that's why one thing led to another, and I ended up on HGTV.
2: So that's how you did, I was going to say, so that's how you ended up on HGTV? Just from, like... Yeah. And, well, like how did you end up passing? hosting Curb Appeal? Like, how did they have that all? I mean, and I say this because, you know, so many people say to me, and I guess I, I think I wanted to be a teacher, so I think that when I was growing up, I think everyone, oh, oh, you should be a teacher. I ended up in a completely different field, and things happen kind of like you never know how they happen, but that's same thing yeah. kind of happened to me. So how did you end up doing... Uh, HGTV and how did you end up hosting the original Curb Appeal?
3: Actually, I was I think the second iteration of Curb Appeal. There was somebody before me and they were looking to revive the brand. Yeah. And uh, they picked me because I was doing a show called Design to Sell at the time and there was a little bit of landscaping in that show. So, uh, yeah, when they approached me with doing Kerberfield, I left at the opportunity because it combines architecture as well. We do put the facade of the home and the landscape of the home. And so, in a way, it was the perfect marriage for me where my architectural background and fascination with American vernacular styles combined with being able to do these perfect little front yards for all kinds of different homes in in American suburbia, basically.
2: Yeah. No, you know, I, I have a house in the Hamptons. And so I... I bought it when it was brand new, but it was a spec house. So, it you know, it had minimum landscaping in it. And at the time when I bought it, uh, we were in a recession. So a lot of people, a lot of this land went in foreclosure. So when I bought it, like they started building houses again And someone said, you should get a landscape designer. And I said, no, I don't need a landscape designer. They said, I'm telling you. So they showed me their house, but they had like this big mansion. So I said, yeah, but I'm not. They said, I'm telling you. And I have a lot of glass so you can see from every part of my house outside. They said it's that important. And I did. And what a difference. Is there a price range house? Or do you, in other words, is it, you know, do you use it? Can you use it? Would use an arts architect landscaper for any size house, or does it have to be a mansion?
3: For an architect, y- yes. Uh, you know, I don't know. Lately, I've really started thinking that um, for different styles of projects, there's different designers that are ideal for that project. Right. It really does have to do with size and how much you want to be involved. Um. Sometimes, you know, if you really want to be hands-on and you want to work closely with a designer and maybe an architect's record, that's one thing. But then, you know, some people really want to go whole hog, get the whole architecture outfit looking for them, have a project manager. Um, It's usually a bit more of a pricey project, but that way it takes all of those logistics out of the hand of the homeowner, which you
2: know, some people really appreciate Right, right. Some people say, listen, you're the pro, you take care of it, and I will right. see the finished product, <laughs> which is obviously right up my alley. Um, now, you right. host the latest, late, the, the, the new version of Curb Appeal called, was it? Is it Curb Appeal Extreme?
3: Yeah, Curb Appeal Extreme was the latest version of it, which we shot in Nashville. Um, hilarious, a good time. You know, Jamie Jury. He's a, a character, and we had a, a crazy four months in Nashville. Um, it was fun. It was in the thick of the pandemic. That was a wild time. Um,
2: yeah, Nashville. Yeah,
3: crazy. it was a fun show.
2: Yeah, I think Nashville's crazy. Um, but you know something? So, how does does the new show differ from the old show at all, or
3: in one big way, which is. Um, Before, we only used to do front yards, and now we do the front and the backyard, um, and sometimes some ancillary buildings as well. So it's really, that's the extreme portion of the title. It takes over the whole thing. Um, We did six projects on that latest iteration, and uh, yeah, I think each one is more beautiful than the last.
2: Yeah, you know, I tell a lot of uh, clients, and I tell them on the radio, so I said, like if somebody's driving past your home, And they see the outside of it, and they like it. Um, And usually they're going to see the front of the house. uh, And they like it. Okay, you know, then you know they like the location. You know they like the style of the house, okay, and where it is. And that curb appeal is Mm -hmm. so important. And then the rest of it's just the interior, so it's like half sold if they really want to come in. So I just think that that curb appeal... Um, and I tell customers all the time, it's 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 so important. It's more important than anybody wants to even realize.
3: Well, you know for sure, it also increases property value. Absolutely, it increases neighborhood safety. You know, it's strange. You think of it as almost like the final touch, but it's remarkable how much impact good curb appeal has on uh, the well-being of how you feel when you come home. Um, the sense of a community starts growing. Other people in the neighborhood also start picking up their the facade look. And suddenly, you know, the whole neighborhood has improved. Uh, and all of this I, I've seen proven over and over again um, as reflected in property values because they really jump in terms of return on investment. You know, people are typically told they should spend between 5 and 10% of the value of the house on their landscape. And that sometimes seems high to people. But I always say that the, the return on investment is guaranteed, practically. You know, you just have to make sure you do the right things to your landscape. But as long as it's well maintained and you've maintained the to the front door, there's no maintenance issues anywhere. You know, those upgrades just end up ending, uh, ending up back in your pocket eventually if you sell it out.
2: No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I've been in the business for a long time, and. That is so true. It increases the value of your home a lo- more than most people would ever think. Joining us is John Gidding, an architect, designer, and the host of HGTV series Curb Appeal. We'll be right back. You're listening to Iron Real Estate. I'm here, I'm Toddy Herman.
4: When a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty, who is there for them or the families left behind? Who's helping our homeless veterans and our nation to never forget 9-11? The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The foundations in the line of duty programs are comprised of its Gold Star Fallen First Responder Smart Home and Veteran Homelessness programs, all of which are dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engages people in 9-11 remembrance across America. And our Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation to keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to tunnel to towers goes to its programs never forget the sacrifices of our america's greatest heroes donate eleven dollars a month to tunnel to towers at t2t.org it's t the number two t.org
5: are you considering a unique way to enhance your investment knowledge this year then sign up today for the all-inclusive eagle financial publications cruise along with our trusted partner, The Money Show. We're setting sail this December to explore some of the most beautiful and unspoiled destinations in the Caribbean. But this is no ordinary vacation. It's a chance to learn from top Eagle financial experts like best-selling authors George Gilder, Mark Skousen, and others who will be hosting a series of workshops and seminars throughout the trip. Imagine lounging on the sun deck while discussing investment strategies with like-minded individuals or enjoying a gourmet dinner at the same table with one of our leading financial authorities. This once-in-a-lifetime cruise is a perfect way to combine education and relaxation to achieve your investment goals. This cruise will sell out quickly, so visit com today to learn more and to secure your cabin. That's com. Eagle Financial is a division of Salem Media Group.
1: Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Ion Real Estate, the Vice Chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman.
2: We have John Gidding, and he's an architect, designer, and host of HGTV series, Curb Appeal. And as you said, I just love to be there. I just like love like like being outside and just looking at all the greenery and how it was done. It just really is also great for you personally. Um,
3: Well, here's my question to you, Dottie. Um, Have you embraced native plants in this fabulous backyard of yours?
2: No, I could use your help. (laughs) No, because I don't... I've always wanted to be on the ocean, but I couldn't afford that. So my house is close, but not fair. And I didn't... Do the planting because yes, I just got back and I have we have deer. So I have to be very careful with the deer. Uh, you know, Makes because sense.
3: where where are you
2: again? Southampton. Southampton South Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm in
3: Southampton.
2: So I have to find I, I you know, I have it all gated um so that, you know, they can't come in, but sometimes they just can get in. But I also like to Do you would you recommend, though, that you have perennials where they that there's always something blooming? Or do you?
3: Well, in terms of, you know, something always growing, my go to first is always evergreens. Um, And as far as I know, Eastern Red Cedar, which is native to you, is tolerant with deer browsing. So that's one thing to keep in mind. When it comes to perennials, I'm thinking like are you thinking low growing? Um like up to ground cover?
2: No, 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 no. I I, I maybe I have you know I have evergreens. Uh, I uh have hedges, but I I love flowers and so um, I love, you know, different type of flowers, and I I kind of like very wild like flowers, and that I really haven't gotten. I just really, like I said, I kind of regrew my house during COVID. Uh, so the when they when they the whole house, they ruined any landscaping I might have had. So I had to start all over again.
3: Yeah, how's this? Um, I think there's something called coral bells, which are evergreen perennials. They've got great color. Um, You should look into them. They're also deer resistant. Really? I'm thinking maybe a butterfly plant would be great for you as well. Maybe just butterfly weed. You know, bright, vibrant orange, native to you. Very deer resistant.
2: Oh, Um, that's good. My here. Yeah. Yeah, go on. I thought I'm, I'm writing this down while I'm speaking to you, okay? Because And, okay, you know, yeah. my neighbors and everybody around, we have the same problems, so they're going to want to hear it, so they'll listen to the show. Great. But also, just in case, they forget the exact word. That's really just good information to have. So I was writing this Absolutely, it down. And,
3: and my plant knowledge isn't the best, but I, you know, my go-to is local nursery. So when in doubt, always go native. That's my one number one thing because not only is it just going to survive well in whatever area you, you put it in because it's used to that climate and temperature, it's going to help wildlife, it's going to help pollinators, it's going to help your own community, it's going to clean, it's going to survive in, in a way that you want your plants to survive. You don't want to necessarily give it the fertilizers and the herbicides and pesticides, et cetera, and overwatering, underwatering, forget about it. Just let the plants that grew up in that area – Drive in that area
2: that's really good advice so you say but so now you have do you have don't you have a uh is don't you have a job getting designed don't you have a place in new york city
3: uh, i used to but i live in switzerland now switzerland I rough. yeah <laughs> i still i'm in the states a lot but um These days, I'm spending a lot more time in Switzerland. A lot of my family is here. And, you know, my mom, she's getting up there in age. So I'm just trying to be closer to her lately. Um, uh, So that's my my new digs.
2: Oh, so, so if somebody, so this, so just watching the show helps you, helps people get knowledge. But would you do you recommend people? I mean, how if somebody wants to get in touch with you, can they go to your website or? Um... Absolutely,
3: yeah. I've got a great website. And I do consultations mainly, so oh, people be send great. me photographs and measurements, and um, I give them plant lists and my designs. I usually incorporate a little, you know, bit of architecture, a bit of front stoop, something to upgrade the facade as well. Oh great! Um, yeah.
2: So, what does someone have to do? Because we have a lot of listeners, and they have homes. And hey, I'm the first one to tell them that certainly, you obviously you want to do it for your own happiness and satisfaction, but it also absolutely increases the value of your home. So, so well, how, do, how do they go? Where would, how would they go to your website? Would they go on John Gidding? I mean, yeah. or, or, or John Gidding. Or yeah, would they yeah. do? Sure. And, and they can getting.com s- dot do, Johngetting.com, yeah, because yeah. I'm going to post this. So, and then you would, then they would, send, you would give them, like, tell them, like, then they would send pictures to you and things of that nature. Yeah, could
3: do yeah. Same. There's a there's an email link there. It's basically teamjg at gmail.com. and uh, yeah, we have a whole process by which people can figure out how much of a consultation they need, interiors, exteriors, what they require like some people just want to be inspired some people want to get building immediately um so yeah just go to my website or instagram which is at john Gidding.
2: oh great i'm gonna because you know that's what i do and people certainly ask me with a big company uh where do i go what do i do so then it doesn't matter where somebody lives basically if you're gonna do consultation
3: no not at all Okay. I mean, my main squeeze right now are the six temperate zones in the continental United States. So um, I just wrote a book called At Home with Nature, and it focuses on those six zones. So as long as you're somewhere in the continental United States, I've got some plans for you.
2: Oh, that's fantastic. So there's no limits. People can live anywhere, and they can get a hold of you, and that's great. I hope So I just have to ask you, Sue. What, what what job does it? Is there any job that really stands? You know, uh, anything that you did worked on that really stands out in your mind? Like that was a you know, a project that really stands out in your mind.
3: A hundred percent. My mind immediately goes to Union Square, New York City, where as I was working for Michael Van Valkenburg Associates. Uh, Michael, in his magnanimous way, came to me, one of his you know youngest designers, and said, hey, uh, I'd like you to take the helm of designing the pavement pattern for the new Union Square. Um, and, of course, I created many, many options for him to sift through and pick through, and he picked the final one. But I have the honor, I would say, of wow. having laid out pattern of tiles that are on the north half of Union Square. So when you're there next time, take a look down. You'll see these large white rectangles and those are actually the three main orientations of the old opportunistic paths that used to cut across Union Square back when it used to be used for livestock and grazing. So there were these three diagonal paths that cut through the old Union Square which used to be a big oval. So you'll oh. also see a trace of the big oval and the paving pattern recalls those three main axes of opportunistic paths that you cut through the square.
2: Oh, that's great. And that, that's really, so that's like history. That, I mean, that's like, that's got to be something that you really will always treasure. I mean, that's, and that's going to be with us forever. I, I know I'm yeah, keeping you... I mean, but that's really exciting. I mean, that I you know that's really that's kind of like part of part of the, the New York. If it's part, part of, of New York yeah, now. Yeah,
3: it's I. And what an honor! And this is all thanks to Michael Van Valkenburg. You know, I feel like I put a little bit of my thumbprint on that city.
2: Wow. Okay. So, would you tell our audience if they what are some of the more desirable amenities for a home when? You factoring in curb appeal appeal
3: yes for sure um i've gone over this list over and over again over my career and it basically doesn't change um the front door is what i always start with upgrade it replace it if you can if you can't just paint it to the door that complements either you personally because that always is fun and acceptable on a front door or of course the architectural style of the home um and people are starting to love their front doors more and more it used to be just whatever i got i got nowadays there's technology being built into them there's lighting there's security so you know the front door can be a big deal especially when it comes to increasing property values it the sense of safety is something that people go for right um so that's one the front Uh, landscaping you know i focus on the path really The way you get from the sidewalk to the front door, it should be clean. It should be well lit. Landscape lighting goes a long way. There should be no cracked pavement, no, you know, uh, broken concrete. Uh, This is definitely worth an investment if you need to invest in it. If not, just spruce it up and make it look good because what you step on and touch on the way from the sidewalk to the front door, those are the things to focus on. So the path is usually a very important one.
2: I think that's such great advice. Um, That's great advice because I tell people the front Um, door too.
3: Yeah, front door is so important. And a nice bright color goes a long way. You know, you don't always have to go black or or. I I find that jewel tones, really bright, juicy, colorful tones work beautifully on a front door.
2: That's great. And people now can can get to you. And before you leave, because you've been such a great guest and people have learned so much, and I, and I can't say whether you're going to sell a house or you're just going to stay in your home, that curb appeal and the way it looks and the way it makes you feel is just like, it's a priceless thing. And it certainly... For most people, yeah. their homes are their largest investments in their in their life, so you
3: know. yeah I, you, you said it so well, Dottie, whether you want to sell or stay in the home, curber Peel is a project you should start on immediately. if yeah. only because of how good you feel when you come home and your house is sitting on this it's really carefully thought out beautiful platter you know of landscape rather than just yeah, it kind of works
2: I know. It's it's great to really now finally hear you in person. So before you leave, and I really can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this um, and helping everybody with this, what advice would you have for anybody who wants to get into the design business? Any advice?
3: Hmm. Well, okay, I had a great time at school. I have to say that uh, uh, some kind of education is worth it. That said, so much of education is available online now. Just familiarize yourself with movements, with creative thrusts that have happened before, precedence, and fill up your inspiration well, whether it's by going to museums or exhibits or concerts, whatever it is. If you want to be a creative person, you have to ingest a lot of creativity as well. So I would say start there, you know. Load up your personal inkwell of creativity, and see where where you can find a client. Usually, it's, it's not um, a bad place to
2: start. Yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole other end of that business. That you know, you have to do great work, but you then have to build a business. Well, listen. Yeah. You are such a role model and a great example of it. And as I said, and it wasn't something that you started out doing. So you are a role model and a great example of what you can do, and when you have passion for something. And I well, want...
3: thank you so much, Dottie. It's been an adventure for sure, and it continues.
2: Yes. Well, thank you so much. I hope you'll come on again and have a great weekend.
3: Anytime, Dottie. A pleasure to meet you. Thank and let's you. chat soon.
2: You're for sure. Okay, so that was John Gidding, and you're not going to want to miss him on HGTV series, Curb Appeal. It's great
4: what are you doing this fall would you like to go to italy with yours truly jersey joe where are we going well let me tell you rome catania taormina savoca forsedagro mount etna palermo that's rome and sicily baby for nine Full days. What a trip. We're going to have a ball, enjoy wonderful food, and taste classic Italian wine at Mount Etna and see some actual sights used in iconic Godfather scenes. It's a trip you'll remember for years to come. If all goes well, you may even be treated to the best entertainment team since Martin and Lewis, Piscopo, and Perillo. Have your cameras ready. Call Perillo Tours at 800 431 1515 800 431 to secure your reservation now on this very limited tour before it sells out. Go online, please, to perillotours.com.
6: Over the past 20 years, a quiet revolution has transformed medicine. Many conditions that once required major surgery can now be treated with procedures that are far less invasive and often far more effective. Are you aware of these alternatives? Join Dr. Dan Simon for All Things Health, where he discusses cutting-edge medical advances, that are providing alternatives to traditional surgery. Dr. Simon is an experienced interventional radiologist who has helped thousands of patients experience dramatic improvements, all without traditional surgery. Dr. Simon will explain latest medical breakthroughs, so you can be fully aware of your options. Listen to All Things Health on AM 970 The Answer on Sundays and Saturdays on AM 570 and 102.3 FM The Mission WMCA. Have questions? Call Dr. Simon at 1-844-534-3621 or visit allthingshealth.ai or listen to All Things Health on AM 970 The Answer on Sundays and AM 570 102.3 FM The Mission WMCA on Saturdays. To learn more, visit allthingshealth.ai
7: This is Dennis Prager inviting you to join me for a memorable travel opportunity that will be a highlight of your life. Mike Gallagher and I are headed again back to Israel in October for the Stand with Israel Tour. Join us along with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. We'll visit key sites in the Holy land thoughtfully designed to give you unprecedented access to a region you may have only read about. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com for details. We'll uncover important geopolitical sites and show you Israel's significance on the world stage. You'll set foot on the ancient streets of Jerusalem, sail the Sea of Galilee, pray at the Western Wall, and much more. We'll have guides specifically for our group, lavish accommodations, and I will even broadcast my show from Israel. No other trip will be like the Stand With Israel Tour. Come with Mike Gallagher and me this October. Register today. Call 855 565 5519. 855 565 5519. Or just go to StandWithIsraelTour.com. StandWithIsraelTour.com.
1: Continuing with I On Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of I On Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman. Dottie Herman.
2: Well, Steve, all I can say is when you're having a good time, time flies. I mean, I feel like that the, the show is almost over with our two hours. Um, but before we go any further, Steve, we have two callers on the line, so you want, like, want to take the calls. So, do we have a uh, Linda? Hello? Linda, you are? Yes, good morning. Well, I think it's probably closer to the afternoon, but good afternoon, Linda. Good morning, whatever.
8: How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm actually calling from California, so I am a little bit more in the morning. Oh, Um, yes, you are. Yeah. I I wanted to call. First off, I want to say how much I love your show. I listen to it. I I call in every Saturday um, and listen to you on um, my Alexa app, and I just say, Turn on Ion Real Estate. I just love your show, and Stephen, I love you as well. Um, And, Dottie, Happy Mother's Day.
2: Oh, thank you. And, by the way, thank you because we want to wish everybody a Happy Mother's Day, okay? It's a very special day, but thank you.
8: (laughs) So here's my question for you. I have bid on several homes and uh, I keep getting beat out by cash offers and um, I've got great credit I've got everything in line but I I just I just can't seem to get the deals pushed through because they're other they're getting accepted by people that have um, cash so do you have any recommendations or anything that I can do to compete with these cash offers
2: Well, I have to be honest with you, it's hard to compete with cash offers unless you want to, first of all, maybe you want to offer a little bit more, okay, and that's always an option, and even so, um, you definitely want to have a commitment. You want to have a commitment letter from the bank that they will lend you this amount of money, okay, and have that in writing, make sure that your broker, that you, you do that, and then have your broker when you're negotiating i would probably tell you probably offer if you really love the house a little bit more because if i were a seller okay i would pick the offer that was all cash okay because it's just easy but if it was a little bit more money and you have a good down, is your down payment good oh yes absolutely so you have a a, a pretty big down payment okay and you have jobs, and then then I would do that. I would make sure that my broker knows, and make sure that the seller knows that you have a commitment from a bank for the mortgage. That once they sign the papers with you, the house is sold, basically. And I would then probably offer a little
8: bit more. Okay, that sounds that sounds reasonable. That sounds great.
9: And Linda, and, uh, I, I'd also want to add. Try to find out if there's any other motivating factors from the seller because you want the seller to know that you're the easiest and best buyer to work with. So maybe you can offer them a faster closing date. Um, Maybe you could be willing to waive some small repair items. Maybe the house needs a few fixer-ups in it that aren't a big deal, but maybe the seller is hesitant to do anything. If you can give them an easier path to closing, that might also be valuable to them, too.
2: And that's good advice. And there's one of the things that I don't... You're As an attorney, you probably would advise people not to do this, but sometimes people need more time. Like Say like I sold my house to you, and let's just say that the house that I'm moving into was supposed to be ready, but it's taking a little bit longer, which happens. And then I say... Well, maybe would you – like maybe you could work – so sometimes somebody would need more time and maybe you could offer them like, you know, you have a – like they stay a little longer if they needed a a little extra time or something like that. Yeah,
9: absolutely. So, you know, it's all about flexibility. So you could either have a later closing date or you can even do what's called a post-closing possession or a rent back where the closing happens, you're the owner. You get that done so you know your mortgage is all locked in. But then the seller maybe has a month or maybe a little longer even to stay there. And they can get their money lined up, do their purchase, and then have the ability to have an easy move. So it's all about if you can't offer them the most money, make it easy. Give them a path that's flexible for success for you both.
2: Yeah. And some people really like that because – then they don't have to—they can, like, fix their house. So like, if they have work to do in the house or something, they can stay in their own house a little bit longer and, you know, move in when it's kind of painted and everything. So you never know. You've got to be creative, but you've got to give them something that the cash buyer is not giving them. Wouldn't you agree?
9: Absolutely. And sometimes cash buyers kind of miss it. Sometimes they say, well, I'm a cash buyer. And then they kind of put blinders on and say, I'm giving you all cash. What else do you want? But find out what's motivating them. And and by the way, as a complete side note, try to repaint and do the floors before you move in. I'll tell you, as a homeowner, once you move in, you put your stuff in there and your furniture, and you're like, wait, i got to move the furniture around to put a new carpet or refinish the wood floor. So definitely do whatever you can before you move in. You'll appreciate it
8: thank you so much. I tell you I learned so much from this, sto- this show and Dottie I am just such a huge fan of yours so thank you so much for taking my call
2: oh thank you and happy Mother's Day you too
9: so I think there's also another call on- online as well okay oh. so
2: well wait stop it okay no, so so. Uh, okay, so, so can, we'll, we'll can just, just he'll just edit right, that out. Yeah. Just edit that little piece and just let the call. Come. We, I know. I said we had two calls, so it can't be a wait.
9: Okay, we, we got it. I'll, I'll <laughs> slide it. It. Okay. Okay, so we have a second caller. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you.
1: My name is Kyle and um, I'm in contract to buy a house. I got my commitment letter, the property appraised, and my deposit is in escrow. Today, my manager said, layoffs are coming. What should I do? I have a $120,000 deposit on the line. I'm freaking out.
9: Kyle, I completely understand. And first off, I want to say I want to empathize with your situation. I know it's an interesting time in the economy, to say the least. And The threat of even some layoffs that can happen out there is a very scary thing. So we completely empathize with the situation. The first thing is to gather the facts, both in your transaction and also at work. So in your transaction, here's a few things to think about that can help. Number one, how close are you to closing? Is everything lined up? Do we have clear title? Is your lender clear to close? Or are there things that need to be done on the checklist? That's absolutely critical because if we're on the clock here, we want to get things ready as fast as possible. The second thing is, when is your closing date with the seller? Is it coming up very soon? And maybe the closing can happen before any notices go out there in the company? Or is it weeks or maybe even some cases months away? The next thing is, Have a conversation with your attorney, and I don't know, are you in a state where you have an attorney, or is it just a real estate agent and a title company?
1: No, I have an attorney.
9: Great. So you should have a call with them, and just find out in the contract how the mortgage contingency works, because here's the thing. While there's only so many different ways in which you can write up a real estate deal and close it, every transaction is unique. Sometimes the mortgage contingency is satisfied by getting that commitment letter from the bank, and sometimes you actually have what we call a funding contingency, which protects you all the way to the closing. So you want to get a sense on what protections and rights to cancel you have in the contract if something happens. But I also want you to know what is some of the rules behind this. Lenders look at you at different phases in the transaction. When a bank does a loan, they always look at your ability to pay. And your ability to pay are your assets, your liabilities, and your income. And if you don't have employment, you don't have that income stream, and then an approval, a commitment letter that a bank gave, could be retracted, they're not required to fund it, if you don't have that income stream. And what banks do, and these are two very important points that people need to understand, is one, right before the closing, like a day or two before, they do what's called a VOE, a verification of employment, where they contact your employer to see if you're still employed. And then at the closing, you either sign an affidavit or actually re-sign your loan application saying that your assets, your liabilities, and your income, which is your employment, hasn't changed since you started the process. So the bank will check again before closing. And it is considered mortgage fraud to lie on a ban- on a mortgage application or at the closing. So we have to be truthful and honest. Um, very, very important. But if it turns out that there's not a contingency there to get you out, And if it turns out that things are looking bleak, I do recommend seeing if you can, have that conversation, find out maybe when notices might go out, see if a closing can happen before, because then you have to make, unfortunately, a very difficult financial decision, saving your contract deposit, taking on this obligation, and you have to make a decision that's right for you. But fundamentally... If you have just a generic mortgage contingency, which means once you get that commitment letter from the bank, you don't have that right to cancel, you, your deposit could be on the line. So most importantly, have that conversation, talk to your attorney, find out what's going on so you can try to protect your deposit and your transaction and your finances as much as possible.
1: Great. Thanks, Stephen. I really appreciate that.
9: You're welcome. Good luck. I hope everything turns out well. Yes. Thanks.
2: Now I don't know how much time we have, but tomorrow I is Mother's Day, and tomorrow is such an important day. Not for me. But not only as a mother myself, and I know your wife. You know you have a lovely family. Your wife is, but to all the people that were not only mothers, the people that acted like mothers, or that took on responsibilities. Maybe it wasn't their child, but took on those responsibilities, or brought a child that needed a little help in their life in some way. And I say this because my mom died when I was 10, and I lived in a very middle-class area with just very nice people. They didn't do it for praise. They didn't do it for money. They didn't do it for recognition. They did it just because they were good people, and they would set my hair, and I could go in there and cry if a boyfriend broke up with me. And they would always be there. So I want to make sure that we thank all mothers and anybody who has really helped in any way because it doesn't always mean that you have to have that child... Biologically, to be a mother, and I just want to say thanks to everyone because it has never left me. The good those women did for me—I don't know if I'd be sitting here now without them.
9: That—that yeah, that was really beautiful, Mo said, and, <coughs> and I just want to also thank the grandmothers too. Yes, cannot forget them, and you know it makes you appreciate. There, there's an old there's an old saying that you can't you can never fully repay and thank the prior generations of things that they do for you but the best thing you can do is to then just take that and, and you know guide how how you want to act and do the same thing and pay it forward um you know there's a gra- there's a great parable um of a young man so i know we're talking about mother's day so i'll change the story to a young woman instead of a young man And instead of an older man, an older woman who who walks by and sees this this older woman planting this tree, a pear tree, which will take many, many years before the first fruit will actually present itself. And the young woman says, why are you planting this tree? You're never going to see the pears. And they said, because when I was your age, there was a tree with pears for me.
2: Oh, that is wonderful. I mean, that really is wonderful. And you know something, i uh, this is going to sound a mushy, and it's really not about real estate, but really the most important thing in life is really your health and the people that you love. But sometimes there's people that are very lonely, and so you might have a neighbor that lives alone and maybe lost. Okay, It's just a very nice thing to do to just kind of, you know, Knock on their dare say hello or send them a card or as i tell my granddaughter you're really lucky you have email now so just <laughs> even if you email it okay it's just say happy mother's day okay um it means more than you when the, it really does means a lot now i know your wife is busy and you have a great family and i'm sure okay that it's not only Mother's Day that we should think about mothers. It should be, we should think about them all the time. And really, I think, it's like when my daughter said, Mom, I'll never work like you did when I'm a mother. She had a baby. She went to work right right away. She said, Oh, Mom, I think it's harder to be home and be a mom. It's a hard job. It's probably the hardest job you could ever do. So here's a salute to everybody who's a mom. Um, A salute to all the, Moms, grandmas, and everybody, and um, just can't wait to really. We're going to a show. What are you doing for Mother's Day? We're doing. We're we're going to a Broadway show. It's our tradition. Every Mother's Day, that that's what we do.
9: So we, in the, in the same thing that, theme that you have of really Mother's Day is more than just one day on the calendar. We did a big combination celebration this past weekend because. My wife's birthday is in May.
2: Oh, she's a Taurus, like me. My dad's
9: birthday is in May.
2: <laughs> oh, I love Taurus.
9: <laughs> so this past weekend, I, t- works out very well with Tauruses, so <laughs> we did a both birthdays and Mother's Day at my sister's house, and then my in-laws were there, so we did a whole little combination. Oh, nice. Birthday party, Mother's Day, and we had two separate cakes because not everybody likes the same thing. So, being from Long Island, we had to have a Carvel ice cream cake. Oh, definitely. it wouldn't be right without it. And then we also had a a regular traditional cake. And my wife loves the uh, Molly Brown cake, where you have, like, strawberry, banana, chocolate. And so we had both. And so we had that party, but also to make the day special, we'll do something also this upcoming weekend. And, you know... My, my my take on Mother's Day is about, and since we're it's about real estate, we'll have to bring it back. It's about turning a home, you know, a house into a home.
2: So true. Uh, there's a difference between a house and a home, okay? Mm. Uh, and those are uh, that's not what it looks like. That's not how much money it costs. That's what's inside it and what's inside your heart, and so. Uh, you know, wherever your home is, you're like me. I'm always like, oh, I just can't wait to be in my own bed and be in my own home. Okay, no matter how big or little, every home is, this man's castles. So with that, I'd love to wish you guys all a happy Mother's Day. And uh, we'll be here We'll be here next week.
0: The preceding hour of programming paid for by DTHY Realty Incorporated. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.